Well, hello there, Trish Jenkins here. This is Trish TV and it's also our podcast recording that's going to be, the audio is going to be going up to our podcast and we are all about building resilience. And I am, I'm very excited because I have a guest here today, Skip Smith, who is going to talk to us about his business background, his experience and what has helped him to be more resilient and what that has led to for his exciting new life today with what he's been working on in the last little while and even during the pandemic that's been going on and what's keeping him moving forward. So I'm all about resourcing myself and other people with skills that are gonna make their life, their work and their personal relationship with themselves stronger. So welcome Skip, well, Paul Smith, but we call him Skip. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, Trish. Look, so great to be with you today and loving the whole essence of what you're talking about. I think resilience is such an important topic to really help people. I know we hear so much about helping resilience in kids uh, and building resilience in children, but I know that we can all do with a great dose of resilience in our lives. We can. So tell me a little about your, bit about your background. Yeah, so uh, look, I grew up in a small country town, small country town living. So I've grown up in that sort of, my parents were small business people. So I've always grown up uh, helping out with the family business, uh, always being part of what was going on. Uh, and, uh, you know, after school, before school, you're, you're, just, you're just part of what happens. And on school holidays, because then I went away to boarding school, because where I grew up out in West Queensland, uh, there were no high schools. So I got sent away to boarding school for five years, which is everyone got um, uh, went to boarding school in my part of the world. And then on the holidays, at the time, my parents, uh, they, uh, they, we had a post office and manual telephone exchange. So in a small country town, there was a post office, it was the bank, it was the weather station, it was um, uh, the, the, the manual telephone exchange. So 24 hours. So my parents couldn't actually never leave the house ever. Wow. And so they'd have to get people in. So you can imagine school holidays, all time, yay, off that go. And so I'm on the telephone, come please, connecting, uh, reading the weather, doing all that sort of stuff, helping out. So I've grown up sort of around that sort of world and working all, all the way through. Uh, I went to uni and I've got a commerce degree in economics and politics for my majors. Uh, and then uh, I, uh, during that time, um, uh, I, I became a Christian in that time. And then so most of the rest of my world after that, I went to Bible college, which uh, is in, been in the church world. So serving on a large um, staff of a, of, a, of a church, which is about, um, I think, had three to 5,000 people around there. I kind of remember back then. So serving on a large staff. So I know what it's like to be in a staff of 30 to 40 people. Uh, and then I had different roles and... Uh, during the last decade of my life um, was actually running uh, a church for myself. And when I say that, you know, some people get a picture of a little church on a corner. But for me, uh, for in our, in our case, we were talking about a thousand people. We're talking about, uh, and again, we're, because we're, we're talking in business sense here. I spent about a turnover about $2 million a year. I've got about uh, 18 staff on staff with me, part-time, not all full-time. But I've got staff and all that sort of stuff. So and we also so, under, undertook a, sorry? So Skip, having a church, people do think of a church as, as being running a church, but when you run a church well, you have to run it like a business. You have got to have oh. all the finances, you've got to have wages, you've got all that accountability, plus you've got all the social dynamics. Uh, and, and, and many of your staff, you wouldn't just have had staff, you would have had volunteers and, and leading oh. volunteers is, is not quite the same as leading staff either. You, you can't oh. just tell them off. Not that, and, That's right, we had over, 300, we had over 300 volunteers. Wow. Exactly. 
Wow. So um, uh, signed up that we had to get, because you have compliance with all of them as well, you've got to inspire them. And of course, you, you can't pay them because they're volunteers, but they still need payment. So how do you, like you said, motivate? How do you keep people on, online? And people say, I've done this my whole life. And you're going, well, actually, here are new ways we want to do things and motivating people and, and all those, and then raising up leaders, raising up people to oversee them. So yeah, so running a in a church environment, actually you've got both sides of those things going on. And then and it's part of that as well, we did a, a building project. So I undertook a, a building project. We built a thousand seat auditorium, uh, right. which was a, a five to $7 million project in there as well. So having to oversee that, raise funds for that, and then oversee the, the building of a project there as well. So um, I've had a bit of experience on, on a whole bunch of different levels that way. So tell me, in that part of your career, and we will move on to what you're doing now, but I mean, I can see all sorts of pitfalls and dangers of things that, that can be difficult to do, uh, as well as, you know, overcoming. What would you say would be probably the biggest challenge in that overall period or, or, the, or the, the most significant? And then how did you manage that and overcome that, assuming you did? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some of the biggest pressures I felt, uh, and again, I think it depends on the personality and the the uh, the makeup of each leader. So people will find different things um, challenging. For me personally, what I found one of the toughest was the financial weight that you had to carry. So uh, I was in a church where we had no denominational backing. So the bottom line was, if people didn't give put money in the plate, so to speak, although most of it happens online these days, but if people didn't give I didn't get paid. Right. And so, and my staff didn't get paid. So it was as simple as that, it's like any business. So it's not like you had the backing or underwriting of anyone else. So like any business person, knowing that you've got that weight and you've got staff wages I've got to pay every week. So uh, that to me was the, was the pressure thinking these people's lives depend upon the ability of that finance to keep coming in. So I think that was one of the, the biggest pressures. And then when you put a building project and you're raising money on, so you're saying to people, we want you to give regularly but now we want you to give more uh, right. and there's there's no payment for that there's no service that you're getting other than you're building a uh, you know you're casting vision for a for a facility that's not just for you but for generations and you're and you're you're using different sorts of language and motivation around that as to why someone would give more money of their hard-earned money towards a cause so okay. those sorts of things became um, uh, uh, what I found the pressure the, the biggest pressure one of the biggest pressures Right. And so how did you uh, help that to ha how did you overcome that? And also, how did you manage yourself during that, you know, when, when those things mm. came up? Yeah. So one of the things I look for is um, if I can be released of the details around that uh, and then I can focus on the big ideas, that to me is one of the things that helped me. So putting, staffing myself, staffing someone around me. And so the problem is, is when you can do something is whether you should do something. Because right. I've got a hang commerce on, background. So that, that's a really good point. I want you to just say that yeah. again. When you yeah, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Mm. So I could do the finances because I had a commerce training. But what I found was that kept me in the details too much. That right. kept me down here and that would be bogged down. So staffing that to bring somebody that I trusted who was better than me at it. And so putting somebody on staff who was actually better than me at something that I'm, I'm good at. 
You know what I mean? So you're like, well, I studied this. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm good at this. But putting someone on who's actually better than me, staffing that area so that I can be free, not to have to analyze all the data. I can go, give me the headline, let's go. And he would come in the office, bang, 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 bang. I said, okay, this is what I'm thinking. What are you thinking? This great, let's keep moving forward. So that, that took a lot of pressure off me, uh, knowing that um, uh, this person could do that. So trying to do the things that only I could do as the boss, as the you know, as the leader of this um, congregation, as the leader of this um, community, what are the things that only I can do? And it's trying to keep coming back to the things that only I can do. And I suppose another way that I, I, I help never do that is that I go into a weekly practice of what I'd call thinking time. So uh, I would keep physically fit. So I was at the gym uh, every um, couple of times a week. And I'd go and do a workout on a Friday morning. And then after the gym, I would go to a coffee shop. And I would sit in a coffee shop by myself. And I would get up uh, my, my life goals. Years ago in my 20s, I had um, uh, Peter Daniels. You've ever heard of Peter Daniels? Yes. As a book called Discover Your Life Goals. And so I'd read that. And I'd written down my three life goals about what my, if you summed up my whole life, it's in these three things. And so every week, I would write them out again. And I'd go, okay, how am I going? Am I on course for what I'm meant to do? My reason for being here on the planet, my reason for doing what I do, where am I at? And if I was getting off course, it's like, okay, so what do I need to do this week to make sure I'm back on course and just stay true to what I felt was my life goals, the things that I knew I was meant to be doing. And so that's one of the ways that I carried that pressure was just continually revisiting that through a weekly habit as well. Wow, that's so awesome. And I imagine, uh, I imagine that um, that would help you to remind yourself when, when you have given a job to someone else, there's two things that need to happen. One is that person, you, we delegate, we don't dump. So that person needs to be accountable, especially in finance, because it has to be transparent. So it's, it's having that person answerable without micromanaging because you have that talent. And I think that's where some leaders miss it is because they'll, they'll hand it over and then they'll hover and, and not allow it. Or they'll just, whew, and they'll just leave it and then it's not accountable and it, and it can get into trouble. So um, and I see the link with your having your Friday uh, time with yourself to do that reset. And that's where, you know, being busy, you can't be so busy that you don't have time to, to reevaluate regularly and make sure like, like, you know, when you're sailing, you've got to um, keep making those adjustments. So that's, that's really, really helpful, Skip. And so um, clearly it was over a period of time when you were having these, um, these, you know, are you on track that, that you uh, eventually with circumstances had a, um, that, that period of your life, uh, that chapter shifted into what you're doing now, which is just growing like gangbusters and, and so exciting. So tell us about that change. Yeah, so um, my role now um, has, has moved across. And again, the, the way that it happened wasn't an easy transition. So unfortunately, it was a, a very negative way that things ended up. Um, it, it was um, poor judgment on my part that uh, I, um, it was an employment thing where I, I, I was going forward and then uh, through, I put people on and I, I, what I did was I, I'd over-trusted. 
And so uh, that thing of that accountability, I over-trusted and uh, that led to me not being right on the pulse because I'm, I'm a very empowering person, like I, I trust you. Uh, I, fortunately, I over-trusted and that came back to bite me. And so much so that it was like, okay, um, uh, by the way, now there's no room for you here anymore. So oh, it was like, like so we didn't job. see that. Yeah, so didn't see that coming. It wasn't a choice I made on purpose. It wasn't, we're going through a, a tough time, but that's, that's sort of how it, we sort of navigated. And it was just like, um, uh, it was a good learning, good learning experience for me in terms of staffing and what I need to do uh, about that in the future. So that was my learning going through. So I landed in this role. Now I say that just by way of preface of saying that this wasn't a, okay, I've done that thing now onto the next. It was one of those things in life, and I just turned 50 last week. So this is, you know, um, uh, three years ago this happened. So this was, I was late 40s, uh, and suddenly I have a change thrust upon me which I was not expecting. Uh, and I think that's really important that, that, that when you talk to people some more, you hear a lot about where that's happened for a whole bunch of different reasons, where people in life can have things thrust upon them, maybe by sickness, uh, that they weren't expecting or an accident or, or things can happen that that significantly change your life. Mm. And especially if you're not ready for that, being able to ride that wave of, okay, I'm now in a place I did not expect, was not prepared for, was not looking for, what now? And so, uh, again, I'm so thankful that, as I said before, my life isn't about my job. I've got those three life goals that, I had before I had either of these jobs. So those life goals were, were are bigger than my job. So they are my true north. They are my, my thing that I know that I'm here for. And so because I knew that you go back and you revisit, why am I here? What's going on? This can change around me, but what are some of the core things that don't change? So that's what helped me navigate through into, and it got a bit rocky. I'm looking for new jobs, and in the middle of not only losing my um, my job, which also was my community. So um, not only is it my job, it's my it's my my community. It's they're my friends. It's all my people that I hung with. So that's the other um, peculiarity with with church world is that this isn't just a workplace, and you go home to a different community you work and live in that space. And so when you're told you're no longer welcome in your workplace, it's more than that, it's deeper, it reaches into the very heart of your community. So we're, we're, we're cut off from community, we're cut off from work, cut off from family, all sorts of things that are, that are we cut off from. And, in the middle of that time, sorry. Oh, and, and I hear you say the word we, because not only did you have a family to support, but your family had their relationships in that community as well. And, Absolutely. Uh, you know, what I'm hearing you say as well is that as painful as it might have been, because your why was beyond the actual job that you're doing, because particularly men tend to find themselves identifying their value as I am a builder, I am a financial planner, I am, you know, it's the task. And when that task is taken, their identity is, is um, affected negatively, but you had that higher goal of your purpose, uh, your why. And so um, it's important, as I picked up on something you said was, what now? Yeah. So, and because you had it attached to your why, your, your greater meaning, then yes, it was painful. Yes, it was difficult. 
but you already had something to look towards rather than focusing on what was no longer. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and again, so, so we're, we're in this thing and we're holding on. And again, mm -hmm. I've got, I had at the time my children were um, 17, 15 and 7. So, and my wife also worked with me. Right. Uh, on so, so like you said, our whole family and their kids are in those really funny years and we're wanting them not to be disheartened with life mm. and disheartened with situations, but have a, 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 a be positive towards really the life that we love still. We, we, we love that the church community and so we're not angry at church or, or anybody uh, trying to bring your kids on that journey as well. So that's a dad speaking. So, so we've yeah. got that. And then in the midst of all that, I'm looking for work and I'm, I'm traveling America. I, I, I go to work overseas, um, use my connections. I've set up a job overseas. I go for a job interview, set it up. I've all, I'm, I'm in the middle of the, um, um, no, the immigration application. I've hired an immigration lawyer. We're doing the process. And then we discover my wife has a brain tumor. Uh, and so that happened while this was all happening. So, so that happened uh, nine months after everything else happened. So we're in the middle of everything. I put a hold suddenly on my plans to move forward was suddenly stopped. Uh, and mm. so it's like because the care that you could avoid, we didn't have, you've got health insurance and all the issues that go on with healthcare overseas and, and, and our pre-existing condition, all that sort of stuff. So that basically cancelled all those plans that I just spent two trips to America, job interviews, money. Now that's gone. So it was like another big hit on the side. And then, I mean, not to bore it and make it a, a you know, get the violin out, but this is just my story. It is what happened. At the yeah. same time, I don't know if you ever had a frozen shoulder. Um, uh, my wife said she's had one and she got one around that time just before found out the brain tumour. I got two frozen shoulders at the same time. So whether that's stress, right? She said it's the closest pain to childbirth she's ever experienced. Really? Is a, is a frozen shoulder, just uh, the incredible pain that grips your whole body and stuff. So if you've had one, you'll understand. So this is all happening. So we've got health issues with me, my wife, no job. Now we, where are we going? And in the midst of all this, it's like everything seems to be imploding. So where do we go forward? And then, you know, after uh, about a year, then this job part-time that I'm in now opened up as a part-time thing. One day became two, became four days, and this year has become five. Uh, and so that's working with Alpha Australia. And so Alpha oh, is, a, is, a, is an Australia-wide um, organisation, which basically seeks to engage people around the conversations around life, faith, and meaning. Uh, and, and, and basically, what's the big why in your life? And so helping people discover their why. And from a, from a Christian perspective, being a Christian, that's where I'm coming from. And so Alpha's role is to help people have conversations around that and lead people to that place of why. And that's why I think I'm so passionate about what I'm in at the moment. Uh, I'm still working in the same world sort of that I was in a Christian world. I'm, I get to book at churches, but it's been bigger than that. It's bigger than just that world now. Uh, it's it's opened up to anyone who wants to have those conversations because I know the power of, as you said before, having a why, which informs your what. Um, uh, so I can be doing a whole bunch of different what's, but my why doesn't change. And so uh, Alpha is about helping people find the why of life uh, so that they can be resilient and be able to, not only for that reason, because I believe fulfillment comes out of finding your why. You know, like a, a sense of contentment comes out of that you, you can't get from filling it with other things. It really comes from answering that why question in your life. So yeah, so that's sort of where I find myself right now. And now I'm a, a national, I have a national role in that, uh, which, which I love. Um, and I'm able to be, be, bring my experience 
um, uh, from the past and, and, and bring that through uh, into now as well. That's so awesome. And you know, it, it's often the case that uh, when things come to constrict or change our life, it can be multiple things all at once. Um, and there can be like a total stripping back. Mm. Um, but, but even in that, it's when there is that total stripping back that something new and fresh and unaffected can, can actually come and be engaged in our life. Um, and it, it's, it is painful. There's always a tearing. It, it's very rare that it's smooth, but it's, it, it's almost like it causes our brain to do a reset. And those, those neural pathways have had to be challenged. And then you can take what's good and what has helped you in what you've learned before and bring that forward. Um, and you get that new perspective as well, because you get to see how, you know, have this experience of, of compassion of, of what other people have gone through. And, uh, and I remember the brain tumour because I, I saw it on social media and I followed and I prayed for you guys and, and uh, was a little bit involved in that. And I was so inspired because I, I never once saw you express any kind of self-pity or you might have, I don't know, in your quiet time, you might have given yourself some room to have a cry and have a, you know, maybe have a bit of a, a rant. But, but the thing is, when, it's, when your why is there and you can keep moving forward now, Clearly, your faith had something to do with that as well, because it's, uh, as I know, there's a, there's a supernatural kind of above everything uh, why that, um, that people need that to, to keep them going to something that, that helps them when it's bigger. Um, but I'd, I'd love to hear more about the sort of places where you do alpha, where perhaps our listeners or viewers might be able to access and, and perhaps if they want to know more and, and get some clarity around their own purpose. Um, mm. People don't have to be super religious. They it, it's just, just need to be open-minded yeah. um, because we are spiritual beings as well as physical and mental. So mm. share a little bit more about where people can, can find out more and, and where, where you operate. Yeah, so... Alpha um, happens, it actually started in England, so it happens in pretty much every country around the world. In Australia, our, our website is alpha.org.au, okay. A-L-P-H-A, alpha.org.au. And uh, basically what Alpha does, it, it, it's, um, where it's got course material, and basically but it's creating a place for a conversation. So it's not meant to be like a self-help thing by yourself, it's meant to be done in community either with somebody. So I was just chatting with someone the other day, who'd been with a whole bunch of their workmates. So he's taken his workmates from work through Alpha. And uh, one of the things that I've had to really work in the last six months is we've had to pivot to online really quick. So Alpha was always traditionally run face-to-face -face with a group of people, um, uh, you know, in, in many different contexts, in schools, in detention centres, in workplaces, uh, in churches, in people's homes, in cafes. So we, Alpha runs sort of everywhere. When the pandemic came and we were all shut down, we had to go, okay, how do we make this happen online? And how do we create virtual spaces for people to meet in? Uh, and, and, and Alpha was already really set up for that. And so I like us getting back to this story with this guy, uh, he's meeting with his workmates, he's been working with them, but they meet virtually, even though they work together, trying to get each other together outside of work because they work in different parts of the organization can be a bit tricky. So what they do is they meet, um, I think he's met meets on a Sunday afternoon or something, they all jump online uh, onto a Zoom call and then uh, they all they catch up. And, and basically what Alpha is, you watch a, a, a video and then you have a conversation about it. You go, well, do we like it? Do we agree with it? Do we disagree? 
why and, and the videos are, are meant to elicit conversation they're not there to go this is it and you have to believe this they present um uh, ideas and then say now what do you think and health is all about creating a place of conversation not about you know conversion for the sake oh. of it you know not like it's not that it's not like you've got to believe this it's like that's what we're thinking where are you at with that and then allowing people the space to have those conversations. So I just took a friend of mine through it, who not call himself a Christian. Uh, we went through uh, Alpha Online together. He was in Canberra, I'm based in Brisbane. And at the end of it, we had some really great conversations. He still wouldn't call himself a Christian, uh, but now has a whole bunch of language around us to have conversations around, well, let's talk about your why now, and let's talk about that. And we've got common language, we've got a space where we can um, have, a, have a conversation around that together. So. That's what Alpha does, and, and you'll find that it runs anywhere and everywhere, and especially now online, it literally can run anywhere. That's just fabulous, Skip. I can I can see how people would get some clarity around their why, and and having that ability because sometimes you just need to bounce off somebody in a group, uh, or even one on one. But where, you, and I love that it's not that didactic. This is the truth. This is what you've got to believe. Um, to, to be part of our crowd or to be accepted. It's like, well, mm. you know, what, what do you think about that? And, and, and I think that's very Australian, that, that we prefer to be invited to consider something rather yeah. than told. And yeah. I don't know whether it goes back to our, our background where we just resented authority or whatever, but I, yeah. but I think it's just, it's intelligent. It's treating people mm. with respect. And Absolutely. then you come to your own conclusions and you're not accepting yep. something just out of fear or, or because somebody who has more power than you says so. So that is just yeah. brilliant. And, uh, mm. and I love the trajectory of the, the career that you've had and the, the, the work that you've done as a leader, as someone who has built into other people's lives. As, and not only that, you've taken your family through those things and, uh, and, able to communicate to them about focusing forward and and the new beginnings uh, and now that you're doing that with alpha that's um I, I love it when it's something that is beyond just one little enclave of say church you know that, that it's gone out into the community which is which is what i do with my speaking you know i, I speak to the secular business group and um, i don't hide the fact that i'm a christian it's part of my story but it's very relatable and it, and it builds bridges and it, and it just encourages people and it builds resilience, which is what you're all about. So look, thank you so much for being on the program. And I will put in the notes that uh, the website, which is um, alpha.org.au and people can go to that and find out more about that. And if you if you've listened and enjoyed this and you've, or you've been watching this, if you could like comment, share, uh, give it a good rating wherever it's supposed to get a good rating. So we're going to have some more of these conversations with uh, people who are brilliant in their field uh, as we go forward. So thank you for joining us. Thanks, Trish. Oh, how fantastic was that? Thank you for listening to Build Resilience Podcast. Now, if you only take one thing that you've heard today and you apply it to your life, either today, next week, let us know how that went. Let us know how you felt, what happened. It'd be great to hear from you. And remember, you matter. That's why resilience matters, because you matter, you have value, and there are people who need you and love you.
bless you heaps and let's get together next time.